Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 2023 AFL Draft preview from Craft of the Draft. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nathan Seppi, and I'm joined by my other co-host, Jonty Ralph-Smith. And Jonty, we're going to give a pretty comprehensive overview of the 2023 AFL Draft, especially the talent league aspect of it. And we'll get it kicked off right away, and we'll speak about the top 10 in the talent league. And I'll throw to you to touch on the number one. Yeah, the obvious Harley Reid. So I think obviously we've seen what he's been able to do for a number of years now. He's always been touted as that number one prospect. His power, his versatility, his disposal efficiency. He's got the he's the complete package. His athleticism is really good, and and he's shown particularly in the last few months when there has been so much scrutiny and, and question marks over where he's going to go, whether the number one pick's going to be traded, whether he's a flight with risk, etc. That he's certainly got the character side of things as well. I'll go to Colby McCurchin now, Tassie boy, who we saw just had an absolutely outstanding national championships. And it was just his burst, his flair. Everything about him is to like, really, in terms of that ex- explosive midfield. And we saw him kick some terrific goals as well. I think he'll grow terrifically wherever he lands. And he's just one that the ceiling is pretty high, which we'll touch on later as well. Certainly, Zane Dersmer, a Gippsland boy. And we know that all the country players uh, always have a higher ceiling because of obviously not trained with the team as often throughout their Coates Talent League career just due to geographical difficulties but he's one who throughout the last couple of years has shown that elite understanding of how to play forward is able to take a really good mark he's 189 centimetres and he's gone into the midfield a little bit as well but certainly that forward craft and that instinct when he's inside 50 has really endeared him. The 2023 Lark medalist, Riley Sanders, is one that you just we keep talking about again and again this year. And he just went to another level and one we weren't sure if he would reach, but he definitely did that. It was his professionalism throughout the year that just took us by surprise as well. And we know he had experience with Will Ashcroft last year, so he got to see it firsthand where a number one pick ended up and how he did it. And he's really taken that to a next level, Riley Sanders, his stoppage craft has reached another level and his work rate as well has been exceptional. So a really well-deserved Lark medalist and, and a great season. Certainly, and one that Rob Harding spoke about last week on the podcast really, really bullishly. So go check that one out if you haven't. Caleb Windsor, one who's really come on late, I think, from a lot of people who haven't necessarily watched as much talent league that might not be aware of him. But his season, probably after that first month when he was interrupted due to a pre-season ankle injury, his kicking may not have been where it needed to be. But I think since then he's shown that running capacity really holds him in good stead and his kicking as well is sizzling. He's able to get the overlap handball with that aerobic base and he's also able to send it inside 50 he always hits his targets so he's certainly in that sort of top 10 mix for by no accident nick watson we've pretty much heard about for the last two years in terms of what he provides as a small forward he's so dangerous he just really knows how to get under people's skins and he does it really well just his forward craft in general and the speed he brings around the footy he was pushed up a bit higher up the ground as the season went on and provided a lot of speed and quickness on the wing but He's one you know will hit the scoreboard every week and provide real danger. Played a little bit inside mid as well, uh, Nick Watson. We saw that in the in the Coates League Grand Final. Nate Caddy, a really good contested mark. And I think what's really pleasing from him, his point of view is he's averaging over two goals a game. So he's had a pretty consistent season. He was good at national champs level. He was also very good for... The Northern Knights kicked a couple of bags, so showed that he is able to go really big, and certainly that contested marking is as good as anyone in the draft pool this year. Got a lot of Tassie boys, and, and James Leake is another one to add to that. And, and again, one that really 
came up in the national championships is his versatility. He's been able to play really all over the ground and make an impact everywhere. When he goes forward, he hits the scoreboard. When he goes back, he provides a great intercepting ability. So he's been fantastic to watch. And I think in terms of a utility player at AFL level, he'll fit in really nicely. Absolutely. And it will be interesting to see which club picks him up and where they do choose to play him, where they think he plays his best footy. Connor O'Sullivan, the last one we'll talk about is being in that real upper echelon, probably one that has flown under the radar compared to some of those other boys that we've just touched on. He's a Murray Bush Rangers player and he actually won the Allies MVP, although Riley Sanders, who was part of that Allies squad, did win the like medal. Conroy Sullivan won the internal award. And I think that ability to play at either end of the ground is obviously already very well physically developed and he's shown he's able to take a contested mark up forward and, and kick some goals, which he was able to do for Murray, but probably did his best work down back and averaged seven marks per game from nine Coates Talent League games, which puts him at the top of marks per game for the Coast Talent League, which speaks to how good he is one-on-one and, and how strong he is, and, and that that will wrap that part of it up. But now we'll go into positions, and we'll just go over the top three of each player per position. So we'll start with the key forwards, and Nate Caddy being the obvious standout from a key forward point of view. Like we talk about, his, his contested marking is, is really, really good. I guess if there was one little drawback with him, it is his size. So he's 193 centimetres which is probably not big enough at the next level to be that real key forward. You're not going to build your forward line around Nate Caddy. He's just a couple of centimetres too small. So he's going to have to build that endurance bank a little bit and be able to get up a little bit so that he he can he can offer a target down the line. And, and that's probably the next level for him is, is being able to do that so that those running patterns can really emerge as a key part of his game. But that's something that once he's in a full-time system, I'm sure will come quite naturally. Jordan Croft, however... Probably his strength is how well he covers the ground. And he looked like at the start of Vic Metro's first national championships game that he was just going to absolutely tear the championships apart. He wasn't quite able to maintain that level for the rest of the champs. And that's probably the one little thing he would have loved to have had a bit more this season, a little bit more of that consistency. We saw at his best, the Western Bulldogs' father-son prospect, who probably goes late in the first round, was someone who was able to to kick goals and tear a quarter apart, but perhaps doing it over a more consistent period would have been something he would have liked. He does have that power. He's going to grow into a really strong frame. And then Archer Reed, he's one who you are going to build your forward line around. He can also play down back. He played a little bit in the ruck this season as well, but he's got height, so 203 centimetres, and he's, he's able to take marks really well. Now, he did have a little bit of a poor patch through the season where he's chopping and changing teams quite a lot, but... That consistency is something that you think will come when he does get a little bit more of that continuity and, and it'll grow and, and become a little bit more of that physical presence as well. You'd hope, but he played some really good senior footy for in Block Conway as well. And, I'll, and then there's others as well that, that probably fall into that key forward mould. Your Logan Morris's, your Riley Weatherall's, your Luke Floyd's. The drawback with them, like we talked about with Nate Caddy's, they're just probably slightly undersized to build your forward line around them. I'll move now to rebounding defenders and the three I want to bring up here. And probably the one that's had the most upside all season and continued to grow is Angus Hasty and John Falcon, who just has a really good nick for offensive movement out of defensive 50. Just knows how to rebound it really nicely. His, his exit kicking is really classy and he knows how to switch the ball. Just a general good footy IQ and brings that speed around the out of the contest that is really handy I guess the drawback with him is his size he is quite a lighter frame and around the contest he doesn't have as much impact so that's probably the drawback with Angus Archie Roberts is one that we've known about all season he played in the Australian AFL Academy so he's had experience in a lot of places now he's kicking his running carries 
typical for that rebounding defender type. His spatial awareness is really good. He knows where to run and get himself in good positions. But I guess the drawback with him is that defensive accountability. He can be left yeah. wanting sometimes running back. So that's the drawback with him. And the last one, Lamont Lawal, the benefit with him, and we've said this quite a lot, his footy IQ is probably up there with probably you know, one of the top three defenders in the league with his footy IQ, knows where to run and knows how to get his hands on the footy. He's got that athleticism and that run and carry, but his drawback is probably his disposal efficiency and that consistency with it that he gets his hands on the footy but might not dispose of it as well. So those are the three top rebounding defenders. Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll move on to to some wingers now. So Caleb Windsor's probably inserted himself to become the top winger or the top prospect from a wing point of view this season with what he was able to produce probably from the national championships. Onwards, we talked about his running capacity. He, he's just a, he's just a footballer's wingman. He really understands how to play that role really well and has, has that really good athletic base as well. Darcy Wilson is another one who has that athletic base, probably more so than Caleb Windsor. We saw it at the National Combine. His leap was really strong and he ran the the 2k time trial in five minutes 52 so that speaks to how well he covers the ground and he's also a very polished kick i know you've been really high on what he's produced this season nathan and then joel frazier another one who you've enjoyed watching his understanding of that role is really good he gets gets up forward is able to deliver it inside 50 gets back so he's able to run both ways understands how to do that we saw that or probably his traits as a whole were personified in that game against Dandenong in round four out of Queen Elizabeth Oval, 27 touches and six goals he kicked. I guess the drawback with him is that contested game, does he get pushed off it a little bit too easily when when the ball's there to be won? That's something he'll look to develop when he does get into an AFL system, probably a second-round type prospect. Top three rucks. I'll start with Will Green from the Northern Knights, who... Probably had the best versatility as a ruck forward combo throughout the year. And he moves like he's about 10 to 15 centimetres shorter. You don't really see him as a ruck when he's moving around the ground. And he does impact when the ball goes inside forward 50, but his ruck craft in general is really good. And it's probably the drawback with him is just his consistency off the ball and that work rate. Can he move to contest to contest and keep making the impact? Well, I'm sure that will build at an elite environment. Lockie Smith is one that, We've learned recently that he's had a long basketball background and he didn't really get back into footy until this year and he's last come year. until last year and he's come back and done a magnificent job in terms of his physicality. He's so aggressive and he dominates his with his tap work and that's something mm-hmm. that we've noticed. He moves quite well. He's very, very big in terms of one that would go into an AFL environment and fit in pretty seamlessly. He definitely fits that mould and the drawback with him is just a bit slower with that yeah. frame that he has. Vigo Vicentini is the last one I want to bring up who had a pretty good season in general and he was probably has a mix of what Lockie Smith has. He's a bit more mobile. His work rate across the ground and through the corridor, especially in transition, is is something that you notice every week. His tap work is pretty refined and pretty good, but he just hasn't probably developed another side of his game in terms of a forward craft maybe, which I think is still something to build on. So those are the top three rucks. Yeah, it's interesting looking at all those rucks. Follow-up seems to be, and certainly the game's trending in this direction, where follow-up's such an important part of the game when it comes to to rucks. And obviously those three are probably exhibit A of that. uh, Medium and smaller defenders. So you talked about rebounding defenders, Nathan. These are probably guys who are more so defensively minded and and have probably put themselves in contention with with their ability to defend one-on-one. Now, it's obviously 
a league that promotes the offensive flair, but but certainly there's a there's a need to to defend, and that's certainly what separates some of the better players from some of the ones who who don't end up making it. And from a defender point of view, from a backline point of view, I'd say Tao Jats probably the the best one uh, there is from a smaller player point of view you've got his ability to be really athletic has been really impressive this season he's got that base and and he's coming from a little way back in that he probably wasn't on the radar at the start of the season and he's just really built with that athleticism and he's really good one-on-one as well so both at ground level and in the air but like we say obviously given he is coming from so far back he hasn't probably had the body of work of some others so it will be a little bit of a punt for whoever does choose to pick him which probably means that despite what he produced in his last couple of games for Gippsland he will go just a little bit later though there is plenty of upside with him when he gets into the system. I think Kobe Ship, his competitiveness is something that was really impressive. Go back and watch the Dandenong versus Tassie game to see really, really good smallish medium defenders game. He's 187 centimetres and his ability to defend Jack Dolliver, who was averaging two and a half goals per game coming into that one was really impressive. So he can take intercept marks, knows when to peel off, can shut down and is also really strong over the footy. Perhaps he's kicking at times, letting down his disposal is something that did improve throughout the season, though. And then Oscar Ryan does have that ability to rebound and run and gun, but he's also really good in the contest and quite hard over the footy as well, which is a key feature of his game. Got the National Combine invite, which suggests there is quite a bit of interest there. I expect he'd go sort of late to rookie. Now, his decision-making is probably something that did hold him back a little bit. And then you've got some others worth just quickly bringing up. Every team seems to have one or two who play that really important role of closing someone down. So Cam Nyko, just shoulder injuries at the wrong time this season. Geordie Payne, who plays above his size, 184 centimetres, but can take an intercept mark. Liam Walters from Oakley finished the season off strongly. Benny Hopkins, uh, a late riser this year, his first season in a talent pathway program. And Lockie MacArthur played a really strong game against Sandringham, which really showed all his traits after probably starting the season more so as a forward. Moving now to the key defenders, and, and I'll start with Vic Metro's MVP and Ollie Murphy, who really we know from that champs just built off that so, so well. And it's always been his resilience and adaptability when something goes yeah. wrong. He always turns it around. And, and it might, and I guess that is the drawback, that it can take him some time to get used to his opponent. Might lose a few contests to start off with, but it, his aerial ability does come to the, you know, it comes comes to the fore and it does help him quite a lot and his intercepting ability is really good as well. So he's one that when he builds even more size, he's already built really well. I think he'll be fantastic in any team's backline. Will Dawson is one, again, with a lot of these players, especially these key defenders, the champs where they really are able to shine Mm -hmm. and show what they're capable of. And Will Dawson is one I really loved, especially in that last game in the Metro Country game. His mobility, his aerial commitment is something I love that he goes up and he knows when to commit to a contest and sort of hold back a little bit. Pretty mobile, really good to watch for his size as well. I guess his drawback is production off the ball. Where's he sort of, is he doing enough off the ball to make himself productive? And still one I think has a lot of upside that still a lot to be seen with him. Connor O'Sullivan is one that actually started the year as a key forward, really. And he played a lot of his time in that forward 50 and it was his execution that was letting him down and that was kind of the drawback with his game and then moved into the back line as a key defender for the national championships and pretty much nothing got past him at that point. He was really good. He was just so versatile. His work rate was terrific and just in transition, he knew how to get the ball moving really well. So those are those top off the top three key defenders. 
Absolutely. And then we'll talk about half forwards now. I talked about Zane Dersma before that 189 centimetre marking player. His footy IQ is really, really strong. And I think if you go and watch the last three or four minutes of the Gippsland versus Tassie game when Gippsland were down and it looked like they were out of the contest, he tried to single handedly bring them back into it. He won a hit out, he won clearances. I think he kicked a goal and they were they were 1% chance of winning. They didn't end up winning, but he, he's a real workhorse and he's that really complete player. I guess the one thing would have been great to see a little bit more from him, and it's hard with all these top-end players because they're always a star playmaker. It would have been great to see a little bit more of his defensive side of his game, but that's something that will no doubt develop uh, once he does get into a full-time system. Cade Delarue is one that probably didn't get the accolades he deserved this season, but he's really clean at ground level. So I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, and stay tuned to our story for that's that to be released. We'll put it on our story. Talked about doing a thousand ground balls in the backyard every night with his dad throughout COVID and, and spent so much time uh, perfecting that. And it really shows on the footy field because he is really clean below his knees. And that makes up for perhaps a little bit of a lack of speed, but he does still have a little bit of that acceleration. He topped the repeat acceleration efforts statistically for Vic Country throughout the national championships. And he is quite athletic overall as well. And then you've got Harvey Johnston, who you talked about earlier. Probably would have liked to have a little bit more of a consistent season, but at his best off half 40, plays really well. And I'll just throw Harvey Thomas in there as well. Really competitive, really versatile. I guess he wasn't, he's not overly quick and he's only 175 centimetres, but because he attacks the footy so hard, no one really talks about his size, but he'd probably like to be a little bit quicker. He's a GWS Academy prospect. Hopefully he gets rookie there at minimum. Yeah, for sure. He's one that, we, as we always say, played for about 20 different teams. So he's really mm. been around. He knows he's probably got one of the best footy resumes out there. Small forwards now. Obviously, I'll start with Nick Watson. And like I mentioned before, he just he's a goal sneak. He knows how to get, get his hands on the footy. Great at ground level. And just knows how to kick him from every angle, pretty much. And yeah, he brings that versatility a bit higher up when he does move up the ground. So he's one that you just can't look past. And, and I wonder where he does land because obviously having a small forward this high is quite unusual in mm. an AFL draft in general. So interesting to swear, see where he goes. The only drawback, I mean, but this isn't a drawback. Every small forward has their selfish type of moments. They love to just get kick goals and it's probably their only priority at times. So it's not something direct, directed at him, but small forwards are small forwards most of the time. Phoenix Gothard is one that, I think he had a pretty good season, given the fact that he was probably in a t- he was in a team in Murray that was struggling a bit throughout the year. So probably I think there's still so much to see with him, and we saw a really good glimpse at champs. He's really clinical, but he's athletic, great at ground level, and he's just got really nice forward craft that knows how to impact the scoreboard quite often. But again, smaller frame, his strength around the contest could let him down, but he's good when the ball comes out and he knows where to position himself well. Jack Callanan is one that was in the AFL Academy earlier in the year and had a bit of an up and down season, but we did see a bit of a versatile side from him at the back end of the year. He was playing a bit of a half back role, but we do know up at half forward again, he's one that is quite clinical as well. Great positional awareness and great at ground level. But I guess the drawback with him, he's just sort of composure and transition when he was playing that half back role, let him down a bit at times, a bit unsure with his ball movement, but those are the top three smaller forwards. And then from a midfield point of view, obviously, Harley Reid, we probably could have put him in any line because he's played across all lines across his across his junior career. But if we put him in the midfield, he's obviously the, the best midfielder in this draft class. Colby McKercher with that 
athleticism, that burst away that you talked about earlier. I guess the one thing with him would have been great to see him a little bit more in other positions, but Mm -hmm. when he is going to probably be at AFL level, that first received sort of player, it is good to see him exposed to to where he's likely to end up. And then Riley Sanders as well, as you talked about. The one thing with him that we were probably concerned about earlier in the year was his speed, and that's so important in the modern game. Is that something that's going to hold him back? But it certainly didn't, and he does have that that necessary acceleration. Speed's probably not a strength, but he's got it enough. And you see it with his explosiveness away from the contest. He kicked a couple of really highlight-worthy goals throughout the season. Now we'll move on to the next part, which is our late bargain. So obviously this podcast throughout the season and our channel, Craft of the Draft, has been focused on some of those under-the-radar players who don't necessarily get the external accolades that they do compared to what they're given internally. So we'll go through a few of those, and I'll throw to you, Nathan, for your first late bargain player to keep an eye on later in the draft okay i'll start with my, my first one i'll start with luke lloyd from the sandy dragons who is famously known for kicking 19 goals in i think it was a vaffer outing so he's that pretty much a school outing wasn't it school outing yeah 19 goals nothing less is just ridiculous but he yeah he's definitely gone under the radar in terms of his productiveness in that forward 50 he's always in the scoreboard he's a great mark he's just a great leap in general and i think in terms of those key forwards, he would do the job as good as any other. He's just a bit smaller, but he's got a great leap, great great air release. So excited to see if he gets a chance, how he would go. Certainly got a good pair of jukes, does Luke Lloyd. So does Kalsha Deer, one of his Sandy Dragons yeah. teammates, who's a late bargain for me, and he's one who's going to end up at Hawthorne as a father-son from all reports. So he had a really strong end to the season. He played on Cooper Trembath in the grand final and beat him comfortably. He's really athletic, got a lot of upside. He's 194, 195 centimetres, and we saw him go into the ruck as well. And that leap is something that's really impressive and a key part of his game probably would have been regarded a little bit higher if he'd converted a few more of his opportunities throughout the season in front of goal from a set shot point of view, if he was able to average sort of two or three a game rather than that one per game, which is what sort of happened. But he certainly generates scoring opportunities and he's one that at the next level, that athleticism is just going to hold him in such good stead. Billy Wilson is the next one for me, rebounding halfback. That was probably the fourth one on this list or fourth or fifth yeah. one on that rebounding defender type that really played his role well all season, got really good speed and uses his legs really well. His exit strategies are pretty good. Be interesting to see if he does get the opportunity because we know he's, he's got the ability to build his game and, and he was pretty productive for the Stingrays all year. So liked what we saw from Billy all year. Certainly, and he, and he went to the midfield late in the season and liked what I saw from him there at Ray's level. Another another one who's who's quite productive from an athletic point of view. I talked about Cal Shadir, but also Nathan Falaktides. So he's one who fell a bit this season and his defensive work probably wasn't where people wanted to see it be at. And that was, an op- that was something he was given the opportunity to really improve throughout the season. Now, despite his productivity being down a little bit, I think whichever club gets him is going to get a real bargain just given he does have the athletic background, he's represented his state and he, he does have that speed and he does have that ability to change the game off half back at his best. You don't get selected for Vic Metro as a bottom major by accident and he's certainly one who I think with a couple of years in the system will will really come into his own. So I think, yes, he goes a little bit later because of a poor season, but I think wherever he does go, he, he, will, he will give them value for money. Harvey Thomas, we touched on right before, right before and 
he's one that I'm surprised isn't higher up in talks in general because we saw he's played pretty much most positions on the field and especially yeah. his forward craft was probably the one of the best from a small forward I've seen and, and small sample space I guess but sample size sorry but he just understands where to move himself, where to get in good positions. He leads really strongly and his size doesn't seem to impact him at all. I think he becomes sort of a utility player more than just, you know, identified to one position. And I think he'd be a proper steal in this draft, wherever he does end up, if that is the Giants or somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of his Oakley Chargers teammates as well, Kynan Brown. I don't think he's getting talked about enough. I've really enjoyed his two-way running this year. And I think the interesting thing with him is he's played as a midfielder and he does have that real, I guess, that real instinctive understanding of how to play that. He reads it off the ruck's hand so well and he's really silky, really evasive. But just given his size, he's quite slightly built. I think he's only about 181 centimetres. He probably doesn't start there at AFL level or VFL level when he does get listed immediately. He's a Melbourne father-son, but it will be interesting to see where they use him, whether that's off half-forward or half-back. And he certainly does have the skill set to, to play both positions. But I think that competitiveness and that ability to hold his own in the contest and use his athletic base is something that, that really endears it to himself to me. Michael Rudd is the next one. I've got quite a few forwards on my one, but Michael Rudd is one. Not expecting to go, but I do think there is the potential along the line that he does get an opportunity and he probably falls in again to that category you talked about with Caddy where he just lacks a little bit of size, but aerially he still has that presence. He can move forward, further up the ground and provide, a, and provide well in the contest. Pretty accurate in terms of his kicking. He's just a good forward. But yeah, I think probably won't get his opportunity now, but I think there's still scope for over time for him to build his football, grow a bit of size and hopefully have an opportunity down the line. And then I'll, I'll finish, or oh, I've actually got two left, uh, Cooper Simpson. Uh, so he's one who had an injury-interrupted year. I probably would have gone first round, absolutely no doubt about it, if not for that injury. But he played the wing role in the last month of the season, which is probably where he's seen as starting at the next level, maybe off half-board, maybe off half-back. But he played that really well. He bought into it really well. He's the co-skipper of the Dandenong Stingrays, and he he runs both ways, and he's really polished and clean. So he's one that will be an absolute bargain wherever he goes because the only reason he's fallen this far is just because of limited exposure. Harvey Johnson is my last one, and he's one that when he did have midfield time, he struggled a little bit. I think the pressure got to him sometimes, but when he went to that forward 50, it was a completely new player, and he's one that brings such energy and agility on the ball, just knows how to move his body so well, just does these spins, and very fun to watch in general. And we've, we've not, we know his leadership is also fantastic. That would be a really good added element to an AFL side, given he gets the opportunity. So he's my last late bargain. Absolutely. And my last late bargain is Angus Hasty. Now, it probably doesn't quite fit the bill exactly, but I think that externally people don't quite understand how highly he's rated by AFL clubs. He's spoken to every club and he's one who, off halfback, you spoke about him before. He just offers so much energy, that run and gun, that ability to to break lines and change the game is really impressive. So I expect he's actually going to go in the first round, despite the fact he probably hasn't been spoken about as being that high. I think he, he might be one of the last ones read out in what will be a long first round. We'll move on to players who we think have the highest ceiling. So regardless of what they produce this season, players who at the next level have plenty to offer their clubs. I'll start with a couple. Harley Reid, obviously, for obvious reasons, that character, that resilience that he's shown this year, despite being spoken about so much in the media, has been really impressive. And he's obviously that 
prototype mm-hmm. AFL player, that prototype athlete the club's looking for. And then also Harry DeMattea, who hasn't quite come up yet in our conversations in this podcast, but that leadership and that dual sporting background, that high performance exposure that he's had since the age of 12 is something that's going to mean that when he gets into an AFL system, he's going to fit straight in and he understands what's required of him in a professional environment. So I think that's going to allow him to get the best out of his ability. My first high ceiling player, I've got to go with Joel Frazier. I can't look past him from the Rebels. He's just won that, especially that game at QEO, like you said. You just that was a draftable game, and a lot of those, yeah. a lot of these boys have draftable games. But that one, I think the versatility was there. That I, I just think you can put in most spots on the field, especially probably in the forward half, especially, and he's going to put make an impact and. He's already built. He's built really nicely for the type of play he is. So yep. I'm expecting really big things for him when he when he does get picked up and whether, you know, that goes to the VFL first, but he's just really nicely poised to move in. And then I'll finish with my with my next two, my last two, uh, Darcy Wilson. Just with that athleticism, I think you talk about being a really good athlete at, at AFL level and, and talk about it with Harley. I think Darcy Wilson's certainly shown that, like we talked about, the National Combine. And then also Lockie Smith. Now he's got that limited footy background that you talked about. That basketball background yeah. gives him that spatial awareness. And, yes, we know he does like a little bit of speed, like you said, but I think as he's... As he's footy understanding grows that'll allow him to put himself in even better positions than he already does and he's averaging 20 touches and 25 fit outs as a ruck um at coach talent league level this season which are really really phenomenal numbers so that rounds out my high ceiling players i'll list off my last three the one most obvious colby mccurcher like we touched on before i think he'll seamlessly fit in and it's sort of similar to what we've seen with a few boys in the top in the top 10 as of recent years but so much explosiveness, so much to like. He just loves, looks like a player who just knows how to build his football and knows how to win, win the footy really well as well. Logan Morris is one that, again, probably, you know, goes under the radar a little bit in terms of what we, we've seen and we know how well he can be. He can do it on both ends of the ground, as we know. But he just hasn't had a lot of time around, like, you know, really elite environments because we know the Jets struggled quite a lot this time, lot this year. He was at Metro, but aside from that, he's kind of haven't had hasn't had a real proper elite environment. So I think once he gets that as well, I think he'll it just do him the world of good and he'll become really powerful. Oh, sorry, yeah. I got one more for me, and then Will Green, his versatility, okay. I think needs to be explored because I think there's still a lot of upside there. Like I said, he probably just needs to capitalize on both because I think. It's always one or the other that he does well in the games. I think once he nails down both of them, he'll be really hard to stop. And sort of what we see with Max Gorn, you can put him in both spots and he'll do the job pretty well. So I think there's a lot of upside with him and it just needs to be built upon. Absolutely. And you can say it about any rock. I talk about Lockie Smith. You talk about Will Green. You could throw Vigo Vizantini into that mix. You could throw Will Dawson into that mix, who's that sort of key position player, Ollie Murphy. Uh, and then just to, to round off, we'll go through the, the teams that we think will be most successful on draft night. And when we say teams, we're talking about Coates Talent League teams here, so the teams yeah. that will have the most drafted. So obviously Sandy won the premiership, and that was by no accident. They probably had the most talented list. So Riley Sanders, who we've talked about, Archie Roberts, Ollie Murphy, Charlie Edwards, who we haven't talked about yet, but a late bloomer this season, a powerful midfielder, Luke Lloyd, Cal Shadia. And then they'll also have some some possibles like your Charlie Harrops, Tarkin O'Leary, Will Brown and Harvey Johnston all in that sort of mix. So they could have anywhere between five and eight drafted. Yeah. Tazzy, we, one we didn't speak about, Ari Showmaker, who we know is rebounding prowess, and that kick of his is massive. Jack Cullinan, James Leake, Heath Ollerton, Ollington, and Colby McKercher. You'd say most of them would be 
pretty high likely chances and they've had a terrific year, especially off the back of the actual AFL team being announced. I think that would have done a lot of those players quite a good, in terms of their confidence would have helped quite a lot. And probably Dandenong for you, John, to the last one. Dandenong for me. And you could probably add um, Jordy Payne as a, as a possible, yeah. probably an yeah. outsider, but a possible from a Tassie point of view. So they could have up to six. Uh, and then Dandenong, yeah. So they're, they're probably one that fall under the radar with how much talent they'll actually have. But, yeah, they've obviously got Harry Demetia as that leader we talked about, Cooper Simpson, Cage Dallarue, Kobe Ship, who we've talked about, Billy Wilson. And then the other one that they might have, and he might be the sixth player drafted from the Stingrays, is Benny Hopkins, is that mm-hmm. defender who played for the Stingrays all season, defensively accountable, and is able to release from defence as well, get that overlap handball and drive it out. So he's still lightly framed as his first season in a talent pathway program. And yeah, a club may be willing to take a punt on him. Perhaps he returns to Daniel as a 19-year-old. But yeah, those clubs will have probably at least five. Each of them will have at least five, you'd suggest, drafted. Um, to be to make themselves the most successful clubs of this of this season. Well, we are both excited to see how it all unfolds. Make sure to check out our channels for player profiles, player interviews. We're really getting around this draft and getting a whole a whole variety of stories. So please go to our Instagram, Twitters, just check it out. Check out our last video as well. If you want a bit of a fun idea on, we made a basically a fantasy team out of this draft crop which was really fun to do so please check that out if you haven't already as i said follow our socials for more stay tuned for more draft content the women's will be soon so we're going to jump into that soon thank you all for watching and we'll see you in the next one